Hello and welcome to the Total Mental Performance Podcast, the one and only mindset podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs and coaches master their mindset, giving you insider access to industry leaders around their psychology, their campfire stories, and the mindset required to be successful in this business. I'm your host, Kieran O'Neill, mental performance coach and founder of Total Mental Performance, the world's fastest growing specialist mindset service dedicated to the fitness industry. So without further ado, let's lean in and listen. So today is another special day because we have the man, the myth, the legend, the coach's coach, who I'm very, very, very excited to have on. I really respect this man for a number of reasons. Number one, his energy is incredible. Number two, we have many mutual clients and we just know that when I have a Joe Parrish client, I know that they're there to operate and they're really complimentary of his service. We've also got lots of mutual friends and yeah, he's a really, really good guy. So Joe, Welcome to Total Performance. Thanks for coming on. Dude, a huge thank you for you and an absolute pleasure, privilege and honour to A, have the opportunity to speak to you and go on this incredible journey over the next 30, 40 minutes. Thank you so much for the introduction. Yeah, very humbling. We're going to have a blast, mate. I'm really excited. So if you could sum up in one line what it is that you do, what would it be? I'm basically the coach's coach and I help uh, ambitious coaches maximise their health, their performance and their energy so that they can thrive and positively impact, transform and change lives. And how did you land in that field? A little bit of a journey, dude. And I've been asked this question a number of times before. And you know, when you listen to podcasts and you're like, right, okay, this is a monumental journey. And I always, each and every time I always try and compact it as much as possible. But fundamentally, mate, I was a failed footballer. I went to university, graduated from uni, got a message from my dad, which was basically along the lines of when are you going to get a real job? Because I kind of fell into the online coaching realm because I did quite well standing in my pants from a bodybuilding perspective. And uh, I then continued down the online coaching route, coached hundreds of clients, obviously through competition preps, photo shoots, and all those good things. Built a coaching brand, TJP, where I work with other coaches in terms of helping them obviously build and develop. And then fundamentally, just really found a commonality. And that was, A, I was either in great shape and my business was suffering. I either had a great thriving business and my body shape, health and performance was suffering. Or I had a great body shape health performance, which was you know, thriving and in an optimal place. And my business was excelling and I was going absolutely all in. And you know, my balance, my partner, my relationship, my social was fundamentally down the drain. And I always struggled so much with that kind of body business, brain balance kind of conundrum, that paradigm, because you're either kind of all or nothing. And fundamentally, when you're trying to spin so many different plates, and you've got so many different roles and responsibilities, then again, it can become quite overwhelming and a massive challenge. And I reached a point whereby the physique stuff didn't really facilitate and or fulfill me anymore. I was working with more and more coaches and just found this kind of real problem that I had been through firsthand of like burnout, fatigue, overreaching, questioning myself, low levels of self-confidence, and then realized, right, okay, if I now feel that way, then there must be other coaches that now feel in exactly the same way. So how can I now build and create something that I fundamentally needed six months ago, one year ago, three years ago, five years ago, that would then give me the platform for me to be able to express myself, for me to be able to explore, understand how can I now be the very best that I can now possibly be as a coach, as an athlete, as a business owner, as a partner, as a parent, and just have that kind of holistic view rather than more clients, more money, better shape, leaner, whatever it now might potentially be, you know, just as the sole metric that I was now basing myself worth on. So that's kind of how the whole kind of like coaches coach really came about. There's so much to unpack in that. And it's quite an interesting piece there which I'm going to go straight into is the metric. What was the metric that you were measuring yourself worth on? Mate, multiple. You know, when I first, when I first started out, it was 
football. Fundamentally, mate, I wanted to be a professional footballer. I basically committed my entire life. My parents had obviously committed so much of their time and their energy, taking me to different places. I was fortunate enough to get a full-time contract. They didn't kind of make the grade, moved to Scotland. And, you know, so much of my self-worth was then based upon, obviously, me being able to make it as a footballer. And I talk about quite a bit on social media how I basically traded fun and passion for stress and pressure. Because I went from being this footballer who just loved it to then almost like creating this self-imposed pressure that was just based upon kind of me and my beliefs, I suppose, that basically inhibited and stopped me from being the best that I could be. And then moved into like the physique world. So then my self-worth was based upon how I looked, how lean I was and all those good things and how many shows I won. And then, you know, when you get into the business world, you were then basing, and I based my self-worth on, you know, how much money I was making, how many clients I had. And when you operate like that, you get high with the highs and you get lows with the lows. And fundamentally, there's a lot of distortion, a lot of disruption. And there's a lot of external factors that you can't now control that are impacting your self-worth, your happiness and your state which then obviously will kind of almost act like osmosis that then carries into other aspects of your life that can be then pretty damn negative. So um, yeah, I would probably say that they were the three kind of main key core pillars that I based myself worth on over the last 10, 11 years or so. Sure. And as a fellow athlete that had to move on from that, I know exactly what it's like. Your identity is built around, well, I'm the football player, I'm the boxer. Like everybody knows me for that. My whole family have geared their lives around what I'm doing. And then to not be that all of a sudden is fucking really hard. Then the physique side of things, I experienced that within boxing. I, I always had a six pack, like always, because I was cutting weight for a fight. So when I didn't have a six pack, it was like, oh, who am I? Oh my God, like I'm a loser. I'm, all of a sudden I would say, I'm fat. I'm not fat. <laughs> it's just, I don't have a six pack, but that was my definition of not being fat. And my identity got wrapped up in that. And then on the business side of things, like it's almost validation via overachievement. It's like, well, if I have this many clients or if I'm making this much money, I'm okay. But when I'm not, I'm not okay. And it's something that I see time and time again with coaches is they get wrapped up in the numbers, the figures, their, their clients. And it's actually saying, no, you're okay regardless of how many clients you have or how much money you make. And that's hard. It's really, really, really hard. Because like you said, when the going gets tough, if the mission is I need to validate my self-worth and revenue's down, well, fucking good luck pulling yourself out of that hole. That's really fucking hard. Whereas if your mission is bigger than you, or at very least coming from a place of not protection, but from a place of growth, then it's very, very different. So I was dead fascinated to sort of see those parallels on your journey. Out of those three, what do you think was the darkest period from a identity, emotion, self-limiting belief moment? Because there's, there's a few in there that you've, you've been through, the, the football part, the bodybuilding part, the business part. What do you say was the darkest or the hardest? I think that's a phenomenal question, Duke. And I'm delighted that you've been able to kind of relate. And again, like our journeys are very, very similar. And I think that's, you know, unbelievably fascinating. And I think when I now look at what was probably the, the, you know, the darkest and the hardest part for me, I think each of them, you know, had kind of different pros and cons, I suppose, as it were. Uh, obviously, just now realizing and feeling as though that obviously from a footballing perspective that I've now let my family down and let my parents down, obviously the amount of commitment and the, the financial considerations and the energy considerations that they obviously taken and put into me and then like not really making the grade and not making the cut. Um, I think obviously, you know, that was a real massive monumental kind of challenge for me with the physique stuff. You know, there was plenty of times where I basically competed whilst I was at university. So I was living in the house with three other lads and they would be, they would be coming in. And as, as I was going out to do my morning steps and morning cardio and they'd be having parties downstairs and it would be half past eight of an evening and I'd have a candle on listening to 
a podcast going to sleep and it was quite a, you know, a lonely, isolated period of my life, I suppose. But I just had this will, this desire, this want, this drive to do more, be more, achieve more, prove to myself that I was capable of rekindling that competitive, that, that competitive edge that I just lost for so long since I came away from football. And then with the business side of things, I think it's that thought processes. And again, mate, I'd love to get your opinion and kind of experience on this. It's like when you start out, there's no real roadmap. There's no like you do this, you get this. Of course, there are incredible mentors and coaches and all those good things. But, you know, within your inner circle, really, you're a little bit of an outlier. And, you know, there's this kind of insecurity. There's not this like consistent income. And I suppose everybody's now looking at you, almost waiting for you to fail, for something to go wrong, for you then to go and get a quote unquote, like my dad said to me, a real job. And I think that was obviously then a a, a dark kind of moment for me that I just continue to use as fuel to the fire, most importantly. And I think that has been a common theme across everything. It's like that darkest, deepest kind of like challenge of fear or kind of, you know, place where I felt at my worst was almost that breakdown that then led to the breakthrough because it was how you perceived that situation and challenge. But dude, I would absolutely love to know what was the kind of like deepest, darkest for you and what impact do you believe that kind of had and how did you now come out of it and have you used it? Yeah, fuck yeah. Thanks for asking the question. Um, For me, leaving boxing was the darkest moment because at one point I was on the England team, wasn't good enough, was stressed. I'm 5'7", or between 5'7", 5'8", but I was boxing at 56 kilos, the same frame that I have today, which is like, the, the phrase was, he's a giant at the weight. So that was like my identity. I'm a giant at the weight. Yeah. And when I left boxing, I left in a really sorry state insofar as I couldn't make the weight anymore. I ended up with a binge eating disorder. I tried to launch a nutrition app for boxers that failed. So I ended up in 15 grand of debt. Then I was very, very, I ended into a depression, didn't leave my house for two weeks and actually tried to take my own life. And that was like the darkest point. And that was such a rebuild because ultimately, mate, I was training like I was training at my peak, maybe 12 to 14 times a week, sparring, running, strength and conditioning, operating on about 15 to 1800 calories a day to maintain my weight at that, that size. Then I was trying to build the business. And then I was really struggling because my insecurities and fears to fill the time in between training sessions. So I went and got a part-time sales job. So I was like cold calling four hours a day, training in the morning, training in the evening and working on the app. And I just blew up. So for me, coming off the back of that, knowing that I can go to that dark place and pull myself out of that hole, this might sound a bit cocky, but I feel invincible. Now I know I can fall back in the hole. I I could easily fall back in the hole if I'm not careful. I'm not not stupid. I'm definitely mortal. But the confidence I had off the back of that, knowing well, no matter what life throws at me, I've been there. And I can pull myself out of that. I think that's the darkest moment, but the output of that, like, and a lot of people say, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry to hear that. And I say, no, don't, I'm really grateful for that experience. It's one of the best things that ever happened to me. Cause now like business is hard, but it's easy. Like to pull myself out of that and then that, that darkness, I see every challenge I get and I'm grateful for them. And yeah, you know, like you get a kick in the nuts every now and then, but it's fine because it's like, yeah, but I've been to that dark place and I've pulled myself through that. So I think that for me was probably my darkest moment. And also the, the part of me that built this foundation that no matter what happens, like I'll bounce back and that business left me in 15 grand of debt. So when I was in that rebuilding period, it was like really hard. But again, like to all of those formative experiences, I'm grateful for. 
the loneliness and isolation is something that I see. And I talk a lot to our clients about sparring partners. So I see you as a great sparring partner. So sparring partners are people that are in a similar trajectory. You're going to sharpen each other. You're going to challenge each other. You're going to ask each other questions because iron sharpens iron and anything less than iron just blunts the blade. So having that and having those people to bounce off is really, really important. But when you're starting out, you might not necessarily have that yet. And you are the outlier and your friends and family looking like you're nuts. Like, what is it? But I guess where we've been fortunate, Joe, is that we've been athletes. So we've always been a bit weird. <laughs> we've always been a bit the outlier anyway. So the world expects you to fall into their model of the world, which is you go and get a job and you go and do whether it's working in a gym, working in a company or whatever. When you kind of always been an outlier, it's always like, well, kind of normal. But for a lot of other people, it's not. And they go from being in very social environments, on a gym floor, working in a company, surrounded by people. And then they transition to coaching and they might just go into online coaching and all of a sudden they're behind a laptop and they're by themselves and they're fucking isolated. They don't know what to do. They get really scared. Then they go into a group or a mastermind and they see all these other people. And all of a sudden they start comparing themselves to people that have been in the game for two, three, four years. And they're like, why am I not enough? I'm never going to be able to do this. Ah. So everything you just said there just completely, completely resonates. And yeah, I get it. Do you feel as though that from a kind of practitioner perspective, obviously you've obviously got the theoretical component, but obviously the challenge, the lessons, the experiences that you've now fundamentally gone through, do you think that that, that now for you gives you so much more awareness and so much more kind of empathy uh, and relatability that allows you then to almost kind of communicate kind of with more kind of sort of confidence, context and clarity that then really allows you to create an even greater connection because of Again, it's not just that kind of like theoretical side that you're now looking at. It's actually, right, okay, how am I now using the balance of both, both what I've now been through and what I've now seen, and also then obviously what the kind of literature and everything also now directs and, and kind of, you know, presents me towards. Well, absolutely. Why, why do your clients love you, Joe? Now, I know your clients love you because I know we have many shared. They love you because you understand where they've stood. You have stood and walked that path. And because of that, you understand what makes them tick. You understand when they need to kick up the ass, when they need an arm around the shoulder, because a lot of coaches think, no, 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 you've got to really push them all the time. But actually, in my opinion, coaching is about if you're a world-class coach, it's knowing when to kick someone up the ass and knowing when to put an arm around them and having that balance. So I think all of those formative experiences allowed me. So like when I think of the people, and I think we have similar, well, we, we've got very similar clients. They're all driven. They're all ambitious. They want to help people. They want to make great money and they want to have impact, really. And what starts them on that journey isn't necessarily what finishes them on that journey. For some of those clients, they'll be really afraid of not being good enough. They'll be comparing themselves to others. They'll be feeling like an imposter. They'll be feeling lots of guilt and shame around money. They'll be procrastinating. They'll be overwhelmed. They'll be stressed. They'll be burning out. They'll be getting stuck in their own thought loops. And they'll be operating from a place of protection. But that'll only take them so far. And then they'll hit the glass ceiling. And then after they get past that, it's actually operating from a place of growth. It's like, okay, well, if I really did love my business and if I did love my clients, like, who would I be working with and how can I tap into that? So I think having walked the path, having done jobs where, you know, being paid really well, but hating what I did and hating that and, you know, experiencing that overwhelm, experiencing that burnout, that fear of not being good enough. Like we see it again and again. It's like the whole of the fitness industry. We're all just looking at each other, comparing ourselves. It's like, why are we doing that? There's no need. Like I always go back to the story of Simon Sinek when he went to two conferences for the iPod, a Microsoft's competitive event. And he got in the car, the executives of the Microsoft event after the event, he goes, yeah, we're so much better than Apple. We smashed them on this. Our product's more better. We can, we can host a hundred more songs, like miles better. And when we got in the car with the Apple executives, the Apple executives said, well, 
we've been really thinking, what is the user struggling with at the moment? Like they're really struggling with this little thing. So it's only a small feature, but that's, that's what we're working on. We want to make the, the product more beautiful. And it's just that infinite mindset. It's don't compete, like dominate your space and own that. And that's fine. And that's okay. Whereas I think due to insecurities, due to the world that we currently live in, it's not like the old days where you'd look over your shoulder and you can only compare yourself to the Joneses next door. It's like you open up Instagram and there's a billionaire <laughs> flying around the world, or you're in a little group and somebody's just done 10 times the amount of revenue monthly than you've done. And all of a sudden you pick one binary metric and you've gone, why aren't I enough? When there's like a hundred different metrics and there's just no comparison, you know? So I think having stood there in that place of insecurity and fear and overwhelm and overcome those challenges, which I'm sure you've experienced too, once you pass that back and guess what? You have world-class mentors that have taught you and the academia to give you those frameworks. It's like the perfect balance because I think you can have people that are a little bit too experiential and they haven't necessarily done the study. But then you've got the academics that haven't actually worked with live human beings. And I think being able to bridge that gap of not only have I stood where you stood, but I've learned a series of models that I've applied for myself. I know that they work. I've applied for many clients. I know that they work. So then that way you have that ultimate trust and buy-in and people actually do it versus just sort of listening and then not really executing. You know? That's my opinion. What, what do you think? Similar? Exactly the same, mate. You know, I think it's that ability to be able to appreciate and realize that now fundamentally the lessons, the challenges that you're now currently experiencing and facing and feeling are the very things that are now shaping and molding you and are sharpening that blade that are allowing you to become a better quality coach, uh, a better quality individual, because it's now allowing you to explore and understand that I would say this, the coaches I currently work with, who'd you rather have in your corner? The coach or the mentor who's been through an abundance of challenge, who's had to make a lot of sacrifices, that's had a lot of setbacks during obviously their time that they've now been coaching, or would you rather the coach or the mentor and the leader who had just been with along? who hadn't really done an awful lot, or who hadn't really tested themselves, challenged themselves, and fundamentally were in this kind of place of comfort. Who would you now rather have backing you, believing you? You know, who would you now rather have supporting you, coaching you? And the answer is pretty simple. And again, that's quite a nice little perspective shift when you speak to coaches and they actually now realize that actually all of this stuff is happening for me, not to me. And it's just that ability to now be able to look at it through a different lens. And then when you can look at it through a different lens, that's when, you know, everything starts to change. Now, of course, when you roll back the clock, you know, however many years, when you're in that position, you don't necessarily appreciate that or acknowledge that because you didn't have that level of awareness. Whereas now, um, I think obviously it's completely different because of what you've already been through, you know? So yeah, dude, completely 100% agree. And I think it's always that ability to be able to uh, operate from a place of A, inspirational, but then also B, empathy and relatability. And if you can find the balance between inspiration and, and empathy and relatability from a coaching perspective and a leadership perspective, I think that's when you kind of can create quite a nice balance, which then I believe, again, creates greater connection, greater buy-in, greater no life, love and trust. And again, that's when I think you have the ability then to be able to coach and guide and know and understand when does somebody need a rocket up their ass or when does now somebody need an arm around their shoulder and when does somebody now need to go and push in body shape health and performance when does somebody need to pull back in business when does somebody actually now need to go and actually explore balance a little bit further and succeed at home first a little bit more in order for them to be able to actually come back and actually be in a better place to be able to then take that to the next level because i believe that fundamentally you know like your body business is one there needs to be synergy when i talk about body and just talking about the way in which you look you know that there needs to be that synergy and that harmony in my opinion there needs to be that ability for it to almost just be an expression of you so it's effortless and it's easy and it's also in alignment with your values and then when it does that then it's not forced which is what it was for so long for me i was pretending to be 
somebody that I wasn't because I had this expectation of what I believed that I needed to be based upon, you know, social norms and social media and all these good things. And then again, that creates that friction, that creates that self-applied pressure, that creates this limitation and this barrier. And then you, of course, have crap energy. Confidence is low because you pretend to be somebody you're not. Obviously, from an identity perspective, you don't know whether you're coming or going. And yes, you don't really know who you are or what you really stand for and what you think and what you say and what you do are completely misaligned. So again, like, you know, as a, as a general overview, the ability to go through those experiences and have those challenges and have those setbacks and I think evolve as well, because a lot of people and, you know, I've had this conversation quite a few times over the last couple of weeks. It's like they built something, they've created something, now they're proud of it, but now they've realized they've reached this point where it's like, well, they're either bored, they're unfulfilled, they're lost and or they're really thinking about like adapting, adjusting, evolving and going on to something else, but they don't want to let go of this thing. And it's like, well, actually, do you know what? That thing has got you to where you are right now. And it's not now you're losing it. That's just now being the catalyst that will catapult you to the next stage and the next phase. You can either have a fixed mentality of I'm going to protect and operate from scarcity, or I'm now going to step up into this next phase and this next stage and realize everything that I've now done is fundamentally the platform for what's to come. I call that the now what moment. Yeah. Because you see it all the time and you've probably experienced a few now what moments. I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when. And then you get there and you're like, oh, doesn't feel that much different. <laughs> you're like, now what? And like you said, it's in those moments. And a lot of people reach out to us when they're in that now what moment. They're like, well, I've overachieved what I thought I could achieve. It doesn't feel good. What's that about? And it is, it's, do you go scarcity or do you use that as an opportunity to go, well, what, what is it that, that drives me? And often what was dry, pushing them to that glass ceiling it's usually pain. It's usually I'm going to prove everyone wrong. Fuck you. Like I can do this. I can build a business. I, I can be successful. I can make money. I can change people's lives. But when you operate from that and you're doing that, it's like, it's like the underdog mentality. Now what? Like Now what do I do? And that's where people self-sabotage. They self-implode. They'll either start partying. They'll start procrastinating. They'll start getting really anxious. Maybe they might start buying things that they didn't really want. This is the question I always get. Sometimes I get clients, they'll say, oh, I want to buy this thing, but I don't know whether it, like, it could be a supercar. Like some people get to that point and they're like, right, I'm ready to buy a supercar, but I, I don't know if I'm buying it for the right reasons. Or it might be handbags. It could be anything. And the question I always ask is, if nobody else could know that you're about to buy that thing, would you still buy it? And it's the same with, I think, your occupation or what you do. If nobody could know you were coaching these types of people, would you still coach them? And if the answer isn't fuck yes, then don't waste your time because you're covering it up. You're covering something up, whether that's the fear of not being good enough, imposter syndrome, comparison syndrome, fear, guilt, shame, anger, whatever. And we all have this childhood baggage, but none of us gets out of childhood without it. It's impossible. And sometimes people kid themselves. They're like, I haven't got any baggage. That's the baggage. <laughs> that's, the, that's the point where you've created a protection mechanism to not realize, holy shit, I've got some things that I need to explore or I've got to work on. So when they reach that now what moment, it's like, well, what drove you to that point to get there? And it's like, well, the fear of not being good enough. And they won't say that. They'll come to that realization with time. You've got to prod them and you've got to be really gentle. And then they get there. And it is that fear or that insecurity or doubt or whatever that's got them there. That's not what's going to take them to the next level of building a lifestyle that they love or building a business that they love. We've got to really thank that part of us. But we also have to let that go because that's only going to take us so far. And guess what? That's safety. So, well, if that's what's got me here, if I was to actually start working less and spending more time with my family, the business is going to crumble because this is what's made me successful. It's like, no, that's not how it works. 
like extreme example, Richard Branson. He sat on a beach thinking about big problems. You know, he doesn't look at his phone. He doesn't look at his emails. He's, he's literally there. He's got his teams and his systems in multiple various different organizations that allow him to operate like that. I'm personally not aiming to be a Richard Branson. I don't need to get to that level. That's not that inspires me. You know, maybe one day it will like never say never, but I think we don't need to keep that baggage and keep us pushing and pushing and pushing. Like there's absolutely no need, but it's when you get to that now what moment when that fear, that doubt, that insecurity kicks in, then it's really like, oh shit, I need to do something about this. And they either go back into their box and they kind of stay where they are and they're too resistant to change. They don't really want to talk to anyone about it. And and men are great at that. They're going, oh, I'm fine. I'll, I'll figure it out myself. I don't need any help. Or they go, actually, I need to raise my hands. And that's probably where you get clients come to you and they're like, I'm burning out. I'm, I'm tired. I'm stressed. I don't know what's going on. Or they come to me and they're like, oh, there's an emotional block that I've got or there's a psychological block. and I don't know what it is. And it's getting in the way of me doing what I want to do. And it's like, well, the person you were that got you to that level is not going to be the person that takes you to the next level. You've got to let that go. And that's hard. Not everybody's ready to do that. But when they are, and they start to realize, ah, oh, that's why I've always been like that. Ah, and I wonder, for me, my dad was a manager of my football club. We were bottom of the bottom league and he benched me every game. And I can laugh now as an adult and go, you must have been really shit at football. <laughs> but as a, as a child, your primary caregiver says, you're not good enough. What do you do? You go into boxing because you can't get substituted in boxing and you go there to dominate and prove everybody that you're wrong. And then what do you do next? When that's not an option, you go into software sales to overachieve and make loads of money. Same with coaches. You know, they'll have these little messages when they're a kid that said they weren't enough. This is fuck you. I'm going to prove you wrong, whether that's the bodybuilding, whether that's physique, whether that's money, whether that's whatever. And that person got you so far. And we have to celebrate and honor that person. But if we stay that way, you'll always get what you've always got. And you have to really make those changes. And that's a hard painful process which you've been through many clearly to to get to where you are yeah mate, it's, an, it's, it's always that evolution isn't it and i think it's that thought process somebody said that a really powerful thing to me one day and again it's that that thought process you either evolve or you die and you know it's not literal but it's just a thought process of you either evolve and you adapt or you just stay still and you stay stagnant and you continue then just to go through this same kind of repeatable cycle and I think it's just that thought process of being able to be, again, dynamic. And I said before we came on here, you know, there are no permanent solutions to a dynamic system. Life is a dynamic, life is a dynamic system that is forever evolving and changing. And the majority of it is out with your control from an external perspective. So right, okay, from an internal uh, component, what can I now control influence and what can I now do? And again, that comes through that exploration, that ability now to, be able to ask questions, that ability to now have fantastic people around you. Um, and it's also that ability to be able to as well, let go, you know, realize that you're not just now defined by this one thing, which was probably the biggest challenge that I have for so many years is like, this is now how I perceive people to perceive me. So therefore I now need to live up to that identity. And then it becomes effort. It becomes forced. It becomes unnatural. Um, and then, yeah, <laughs> you're then just getting further and further and further away from actually who you are as an individual. Um, and then that becomes harder. And then when you normalize that, and now it becomes, I say, just the norm, the ability then to be able to go, right, okay, where do I now go and what do I now do? Like, that's when you end up going down a rabbit hole and you dig a deeper hole and then, okay, something needs to change and or you need to kind of reach out and really then take a step back and just assess, you know? And that's why I love just summing up with, well, now what? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you've always said, well, I've had so many now what moments, you've probably had them too. It's like, well, that didn't bring me happiness. I thought I would be happy at this point, but now I'm not. What's that about? So uh, it makes it fun. What's your biggest fear, Joe? Not fulfilling my full potential, being able to kind of get to the end 
and having regrets. Uh, and that was the one big thing that stood out for me all the time. Like my granddad is my, my greatest hero. And uh, one big thing he used to say to me all the time was like, whether I used to do cross country running, whether it was rugby, whether it was football, uh, it basically every single time was like, just go out there and have no regrets. It's like, you know, you might not potentially be the best player on the pitch. You might not potentially, you know, finish first. Uh, but if you know that you can cross that line or, you know, get to the final whistle and you know that you have done the very best that you could now possibly do and you've had no regrets, then fundamentally you can't ask any more from that. And that's been very much kind of like an ethos for me in terms of what I now want to be able to do, you know, that ability to be able to look back. And one of the most powerful things that, again, aside from that, that kind of almost combines is the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey, who basically talks about start with the end in mind. And probably since around 2016, that has now been, again, another huge, 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 huge driver. It's like, okay, that ability to start with the end in mind and Right. Okay. That ability to now look back and go, yeah. Okay. What did I now have the capacity and the capability to be able to accomplish and achieve? And did I actually now go and do that? Um, and know that I gave it my best, know that I operated with curiosity, exploration, fun, enjoyment. Um, and I did what I believed was best and right for me and those closest to me at that moment in time, you know, and if, as, as long as I know that that's all that I've now fundamentally done and I've been true to me, uh, to the best of my knowledge and the best of my kind of I suppose, awareness, then I can't ask for any more than that. So that's why, you know, from a, a physical endeavor from, you know, which obviously then will encompass the mental and the emotional um, and from like the drive, the ambition, the hunger, the want, the, you know, the desire to be the best I can be, raise the glass ceiling around what is possible, continue to raise standards, but also continue then to explore and understand how can I become okay with getting the goalposts to stop moving? And that just, again, is that really kind of like powerful thought provoking question that again, for me, and again, might be, you know, um, also applicable to you, dude, I'd love to get your thought process on this, but when you've been so used to that upward trajectory and it's like the goalpost moves, the goalpost moves, the goalpost moves, and what's next? Then the ability to be able to then slow down and get the goalpost to stop moving and be okay with that for a period of time is probably a fear that I have. And also, again, linked to the thought process of once again, having, having no regrets and looking back when I get to the end and going, gave it a good crack. And I was able to really have a high level of impact and I was able to enjoy and have some incredible experiences and have a lot of fun along the way, you know? So in those moments of fear about the goalpost moving and it's like, oh, am I living up to my potential or not? What is it that you believe about yourself to be true in that moment and begin the sentence with I, I am, or I'm not? So I think it's that thought process of I, I am worthy, you know, like I, I, I am worthy of what I have the ability to now be able to go and accomplish. Because I think so often it's that thought process of like, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Why do I deserve this? And I think it's that ability now to be able to understand that, yeah, I, I am worthy, which is, I think, a powerful inner dialogue. So let's look at those two. That's really fascinating, right? There's two dialogues. One of them is talk about the good wolf, the bad wolf, and the one that you feed the most is the one that comes up. So let's look at the good wolf. So I am worthy because? I am worthy because of the work, the effort, the commitment the discipline, the sacrifice, the desire, the drive, the impact that I now want to be able to have. And that means? That I can then fulfill my full potential and be the very best that I can now possibly be. And then hopefully be able to allow that energy and that impact to resonate and transpire out into others around me. Fuck yeah. How cool is that? And then let's, let's explore the other heart. So I'm not good enough because? I'm not good enough because why would you be? Why would you, why would you, why would you deserve to accomplish and achieve something like that why i suppose why you you know why not anybody you know why not anybody else and that means 
And that means I'll limp myself, pull myself back and stop myself from being able to fulfill my full potential because I'll be living within that in a narrative and that dialogue of I'm not good enough and therefore will operate from that fixed mentality that stops me from doing what I know that I have the capacity and the capability to do. So thank you so much for sharing that because that's the thing. We've all got these two parts of us and we just need to identify which is the part that we want to feed and which is the part that we need to starve. Yeah. And you've done a really good job of going, right, I am worthy. I do have a mission. I am going to do this. But we all have those little lines of subconscious code that are burning up glucose, that are taking up bandwidth, which is I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. I can't do this. Why should it be me? You know, we always have these little bits. I always find it fascinating whenever I ask those questions, like, what's that about? And those three questions can really just help identify that line of subconscious code, which is running that we don't need to run. So thank you so much for sharing that. And that's really, really, really big. Dude. I appreciate the incredible question. I think it's that thought process as well, mate. Uh, it's that it never goes away. So I think it's, that was a big lesson for me. It's like previously you'd almost just try to shut it in a box and hide it away. But then fundamentally it was just about now realizing that these thoughts are now going to be able to come and go, but it's what you fundamentally do with them that has the, the real kind of like impact move, moving forwards. And I think that's something that you can only continue to get better at and improve upon, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. And I think, um, we're definitely going to have to do a round two, mate, because there's so much we can talk about. Maybe I'll jump on your podcast and uh, we'll do the round two there. But, mate, it's been such a pleasure having you on. Final question. And I ask every guest this. Now, I don't want you to think about Total Men's Performance, us, like our, our team. But what does the phrase Total Men's Performance mean to you? If you had Total Men's Performance, how would you know? I think it's just about that ability to be able to explore uh, that avenue of how can I now be the very best that I can now possibly be and not in just one, one sole entity, you know, but how can that now be multidimensional, multifaceted? How can I now have that opportunity to now be able to look at the full picture in terms of the different roles and responsibilities that I now have in life? So again, success is not just defined by, you know, one paradigm, but fundamentally a multitude of different. So total performance is that ability. Uh, to be able to uh, yeah, look at that narrative of, yeah, how can I now be the very best that I can possibly be as a person, as a coach, as an individual, as a leader, as a business owner, as a CEO, as a mom, as a dad, as a brother, as a sister, as a whatever, you know, I think that's fundamentally for me what that means. Joe Parrish, it's been a fucking pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for coming on. Really, really enjoyed that. Dude, my pleasure. Thank you so much. You're a legend. Where can people find you? We'll put a link in the show notes for, for everyone to click on. Mate, best place is probably going to be Instagram, Joe Parrish the coach's coach and yeah that will be absolutely everything mate and link to the podcast and all the other good things will be in the bio and, and, and everything else wonderful show parish all the best thank you superb thank you dude so that's us for today team i want to say a huge thank you for spending this portion of your life listening to us a couple of things before you disappear if you're not already following us on instagram you can find all of our daily content on mindset and hitting peak performance at total mental performance or our website www.totalmentalperformance.com if you haven't already please subscribe you'll find us on spotify uh, the apple Podcasts, and all the other various different platforms big love thank you ever so much and we're looking forward to speaking with you soon